This is the Coleman Associate Innovation Podcast. Innovation? Yeah, innovation. New, original, and creative. This podcast is designed to challenge the way you think about how healthcare is delivered. Ladies and gentlemen, the captain has turned on the fasten seatbelt sign. If you haven't already done so, please take your seat and fasten your seatbelt. I'm your host, Ryan Jury. We are about to explore practical solutions and hear about how out-of-reach results are obtained. Thank you for joining us for this installment of the Coleman Associate Innovation Podcast. If at the end of this episode, you like it and you know someone who would benefit from it, then please share it with them, either by text or by social media. Welcome to this installment of the Coleman Associate Innovation Podcast. COVID-19 has been a part of our lives now for several months, and this pandemic has disrupted healthcare and led to many health centers developing and implementing innovative ideas. Have you gone back and looked at those early implemented processes? Are there patient barriers, processes contributing to employee burnout, or activities that are generating patient complaints? What should you do? During this installment, we're going to review a few basic concepts of rapid redesign testing, aka RRTs. In order to do so, I've used some clips from a webinar recorded back on April 16th titled How to Run a drive Through Clinic, and I hope to use these clips to illustrate the endless possibilities of innovative thinking, process redesign, and continuous improvement. So what are RRTs? Again, RRT stands for Rapid Redesign Test. This is a process improvement redesign tool similar in concept to Plan, Do, Study, Act cycles, or PDSAs, but slightly different. RRTs include, first, multiple iterations, many tests for optimal learning of whatever redesign test you're performing. Second, start small and increase thoughtfully. Usually, start these at three or four hour tests for whatever visit redesign you're working on. Third, small in scope, then expand out. So, start with one patient care team and then maybe move to a second. Fourth, don't just do it, learn from it. Conduct the tests and after the tests, Meet to critique, debrief your model, results, and tactics. Fifth, use data to make decisions. Collect data during the test and use that data to redefine your model during the debriefing. Don't go on your gut reactions. Your gut will tell you what was awkward. Go by the results. So the epilogue to an RRT is to identify a process that's not functioning well. Maybe you have patient complaints or employee complaints around a process. So after brainstorming some ideas of how maybe to seize the day and really be innovative, Use those ideas in an RRT. One current process that's kind of new for us in the COVID-19 world is what to do with a waiting room. So by using the webinar that was recorded on April 16th, we're going to listen to a few innovative ideas about what to do with your waiting room. Is using their parking lot as their waiting room. So for example, this is an example of a sign um, that a lot of clinics are putting up that is having patients call them to register and have them wait in their car if that's feasible um, so that they can check them in via phone um, and they can actually sit in their car as their waiting room whenever possible to decrease that exposure. Um, I think in particular, this is a procedure to be thinking about more on the longer term basis as we even as we see uh, things getting a little bit more back to normal as I think that this is one thing that probably won't go away anytime soon is thinking about having patients wait in their car. So having someone wait in their car instead of waiting in the waiting room. What a novel concept. Waiting rooms in a COVID-19 world present social distancing challenges, PPE usage challenges, uh, infection control challenges, and in particular, making sure that the waiting room is a value-added time to patients. So 
thinking through this, one of the ideas you could do is say, how are we going to use our waiting room? How are we going to promote social distancing? How can we decrease the amount of PPE we're using? Or how can we make the waiting room a value-added experience for our patients? Identifying an idea like maybe having a patient wait in their car or changing the way you schedule to be able to allow them to wait in their car would be an RRT idea that you could run. Here's another RRT idea about waiting rooms from the webinar that was recorded on the 16th. Specifically around walk-up patients, I wanted to make a note about this is um, I think one of the big benefits whenever you're thinking about a drive-through clinic is you are able, the more patients you're able to serve in either a drive-through clinic or in at least a drive-in waiting room, it actually makes it easier to handle the walk-up patients because you'll have fewer people that you need to accommodate in either a waiting room or moving them straight to the exam room if you're seeing them in the actual clinic. So so what, what we try and do, or what our recommendation would be, is to have as many patients wait in their car as possible so that whenever you do have a walk-up patient, you can either take care of them really quickly in a tent, or you can move them inside to an exam room as quickly as possible. Um, I would make a note about if you're like our colleagues that are in Colorado right now that have gotten a lot of snow, uh, you do need to think about what you're going to do in cases of bad weather, and maybe that's having heat in your tent or about just really having a slick process for how you're going to move patients that are at the doors into straight into an exam room. I'd be really cautious about having them go from an exam room to a waiting room and instead kind of bump them up the line so that you see them first and complete everything that you can in the exam room just to decrease your cleaning procedures and to decrease the risk of exposure to other patients or of their being exposed to patients that might have been sick. So a similar problem here is to how to avoid overcrowding in a waiting room when now you have patients who are walking up. Maybe at your facility you don't have parking nearby. Maybe the patient has to um, walk long distances to be able to get into the waiting room. And so this concept of having patients wait in their cars doesn't necessarily solve the problem or the constraints that are at your facility or the different facilities that you have. So again, trying to promote social distancing maybe decreasing PPE and adding value to patients, one idea is a concept of pull to full or pulling individuals from your waiting room and filling your exam rooms. How many waiting rooms exist in your facility? Is it a waiting room outside for registration? Do we sometimes use exam rooms as waiting rooms? We have them wait for providers after an intake, or maybe we have them wait in an exam room after the provider seen them to do labs. So the idea of using an exam room as quote unquote, a mini or an individual waiting room isn't a foreign concept. The redesign possibilities are endless. Maybe you cross chain individuals to be able to do registration and intake in a waiting room or in a mini individual waiting room, also known as a in an exam room, or maybe you start thinking of different things. Maybe instead of having the patient travel out of the exam room after a visit for a lab draw, you perform lab draws in the room. As you start to identify problems or barriers, the ideas are endless of how you could start changing the way that you have patients experience their patient care visit. Problems don't have to be problems, but maybe opportunities to improve. What do you do on a bad weather day? What do you do at checkout? Is it make sense now to send a patient from an exam room back out to the registration to be checked out? Is there a way maybe you could do checkout in an exam room? Or are there different ways to do things? Again, the idea of RRTs is to allow you to experiment and be able to start thinking about ways you could redesign the way you deliver patient care.
So team communication is a huge component of delivering care. Patient care huddles, 30-second reports, all these concepts of in communicating and working as a team to deliver care are really important. However, in the new norm surrounded with COVID-19, there are now some barriers or opportunities to improve. We're going to cut back over to the webinar and listen to some ideas. So I think that that's just a really critical piece to think about. Um, in, in any case, I'd say with walk up, with drive in, and you'll see this um, in a little bit, Gabe's going to be uh, sending out a link to our drive through toolkit that you can, you'll see some of these pieces in there and there are some other ones that it builds on, um, but it talks a lot about communication. And I think with all of these, you need to think about what your communication is between people that might be stationed outside or staff members that are inside so that uh, there isn't that drop in communication. One of our favorite ways to handle this is walkie talkies um, because it's a uh, a quick thing where you can directly communicate, keep everybody on the same page. Um, I There are other people that are using instant messaging. The one thing you got to be pretty careful about with that is in, this, in the same way that it's really hard to hear someone talking over the walkie-talkie if you take your walkie-talkie off, is it's also really hard to get instant messenger messages if you don't have your computer handy. So usually you have to have a laptop or a tablet that can receive those messages and they have to have it on them. Um, I know we got one picture from a clinic where they had put their wireless router outside and had to like, uh, I think they opted against the duct tape, but I believe that they did zip tie a, a router to a telephone pole outside. So if you're going to use instant messenger, you got to make sure that you have um, internet access outside. So I think in the webinar, they highlighted two things. One, making sure that you have the solutions to be able to provide communication. So I think there was a discussion about a health center who would put a Wi-Fi router outside to allow their drive-up clinic to have Wi-Fi not only for their tablets and their computer systems, but for them to also be able to communicate. So in an area where they didn't have Wi-Fi, the solution was, well, let's try putting a Wi-Fi router outside. Another solution for being able to communicate more effectively which also works really well when you're outside, is using walkie-talkies. Ensuring that teams communicate directly is a really, really important concept of the process improvement journey. When using walkie-talkies, there are a few etiquette or kind of tips or tricks. Make sure, first of all, that you know how to use the walkie-talkies that you have, and also ensure that each care team or functional team is using its own channel. Make sure that each person is responsible for making sure their walkie-talkie is charged. And at the beginning of the day, make sure that there's a test to make sure that everyone's communicating in their morning huddle. It is really, really, really important to never, ever, ever use patient names over the airways. These are not secure channels and anyone can listen by. Therefore, it's a lot easier to refer to patients by their appointment time and the provider schedule. Or you could say room three is ready or Dr. Joe's nine o'clock is here but be sure not to use PHI over the walkie-talkie. It's also really helpful to identify yourself. So saying, hey, this is Ryan to Joe, and making sure that the individual knows who's calling them. Walkie-talkies are great, but they're not without their limitations. Here are some questions that each patient care team will need to resolve through experimentation. So if you have team members working with two or more team members, so for example, a front desk employee supports two different patient care teams, how will they use their walkie-talkie? Will they switch between channels or will the two teams share a channel? How will the clinician or the clinical staff wear the walkie-talkie during an intake or an exam? 
Some clinicians and clinical support staff switch off their walkie-talkie and keep it in their pocket while they're in with the patient. Testing thoroughly and trying various options means that your walkie-talkies will become more indispensable as you use them every day. Again, that can only be done if you do several RRTs, collect the data, and work through the opportunities to figure out how to make it work for your team. So again, in review, the epilogue to an RRT is to identify problems or opportunities to test and try to figure out better, more innovative ways of delivering care. After identifying the problem, then test these new ideas and solutions with RRTs. Be sure to remember to run them in multiple iterations. Next, to run them in smaller teams and to run them for shorter periods of time when you perform the tests. But that's not it. There are several other things you need to do to be able to complete the RRT process. We're going to listen to another clip from the webinar that talks a little bit about collecting data. So again, anybody who has gone through a rapid DPI is going to be very familiar with this. Um, but really tracking your data, looking at what is our cycle time, what is our no-show rate for these visits, um, how how successful are we? There are probably new metrics that you're coming up with at this point that you hadn't used before, right? But you still want to care about the basics, about like, are we still getting our charting completed? Because otherwise you're not going to be able to bill for any of these visits and what the cycle time is, again, for those public health reasons that we talked about. Um, and that, the, you know, if you don't look at the data, then it doesn't help you to know if you're getting better, if you're getting worse, or like what you need to work on. So just make sure that you don't miss those pieces. So in the world of COVID-19, there may be new data points that need to be collected and some old ones. Some old ones can always include cycle time, a huge patient satisfier, making sure that you're always bringing value to the patient and reducing the non-value added time, like waiting without any value added to them, or these new concepts of what are some new data points that we need to follow. So the question is, is how many people were in the waiting room? That data point could say we have a threshold that per the law in our state or per guidance, we can only have X number of people in our waiting room. How many times are you going over that number? Being able to collect data is really, really important as you perform multiple iterations. You may test a new idea, but going back to the data will help you figure out if your new processes are working and whether or not you're getting the outcomes that you want. In our last episode around data, we talked a lot about defining what data points you're going to collect is directly tied to the problem or the goal that you're trying to solve. So when collecting and identifying data points to collect, it's always really important to say, what are we really trying to change here? And if we see it in the data, will we have solved or will we be able to see the change that we hope to see? Just as as important as it is to collect the objective data, it's also important to debrief with your teams and collect some of that subjective nature of the RRT. Why is that important? Well, it's important to get feedback. It's important to say what went well, what opportunities do we have, and what changes we'd like to make. Different care team members may have different insights. They may have different insights because they function in different roles. So getting feedback and asking and debriefing with care teams that did RRTs is really, really important to successful RRTing or rapid redesign testing allows the individuals to collect not only the objective data, but the different perspectives of those who perform the tests. We're going to listen to another clip here from the webinar. And don't forget to debrief. So I like this picture because it, you know, as I was doing a lot of this research as, um, the, as far as 
process changing and thinking about updating the, the military has a lot of one great stock photos, but also great uh, processes for debriefing and knowing how you did. So don't forget to come together. Again, you can do it virtually. You don't have to get super close together. But um, I know all, all the health centers we've talked about they said, you know, you do this for like a couple of hours and you have, you know, a page full of lessons learned. And so you want to make sure you come back together, concretize those lessons learned and build on them so that you can do better in the future. So performing a debrief isn't very difficult. I personally like to ask what went well, what opportunities do we have and what changes do we want to see happen? But more important than just asking those questions is facilitating the discussion and making sure that all members of the care team are heard and all of those ideas are listened to and thought through. Maybe there's a gem in there, or maybe there's a diamond in the rough that just has to be polished again in another RRT. So after collecting data and performing debriefs, we're not done yet with this RRT. It's important to use data to make decisions. So now we're going to listen to a clip again from the webinar that talks a little bit about using data to make decisions or changes. And then be prepared to make changes. Is everyone that we've talked to has said that they had to update their procedures as they went. This is particularly true if you're trying to hone all of um, all of the processes that you've come up with. Um, in our in our collaborative model, we call this rapid redesign testing. Some people think of it as PDSAs. It's um, just as you're doing it, make sure that you're collecting that data, bringing it together, debriefing, and then making changes. And then basically the process resets, right? As you're, you're going to go back, look at the data again, see if you made an improvement, and don't forget those pieces. And I think that's critical for honing not only a drive-through or drive-in um, situation, but any of these new COVID-19 procedures that you're putting into place. So out with the old and in with the new. I guarantee you that as you start performing RRTs that you will most certainly find that your old processes become antiquated and it'll be really important to go back and document the new standard model so that as you think about implementation, rolling this out, making change, it'll be really important to have these policies and procedures or workflows documented to be able to communicate and share with others effectively. One of my favorite episodes recorded was with Roger Coleman, where we talked about how tomorrow is the tyranny of today. Don't allow tomorrow to be an excuse not to do something today. Now, as you review all of your policies and all the changes you've made in this new norm of COVID-19, or maybe there are policies and procedures or workflows that you didn't change because of COVID-19, now is the time to look at them and start to prioritize which ones to start tackling today. Don't let tomorrow be the tyranny of today. By going back and looking at where are our patients' biggest complaints? Where is our data not showing up in the way that we would like it to show up? Or why are our staff frustrated or burnt out? Use RRTs as a method and a way to be able to start trying out new innovative ways to start delivering better healthcare. Again, just to circle back a little bit about what RRTs are, RRTs are process improvement redesign tools similar to PDSAs, but they're slightly different. All RRTs include multiple iterations. They start small and increase thoughtfully. They're small in scope and expand out. Don't just do it. You need to learn from them and use data to make decisions. Thank you so much for listening to this installment of the Coleman Associate Innovation Podcast. A huge shout out to Jonathan at Bionic Squid for helping us late nights and short deadlines to be able to produce this podcast. I really appreciate it, Jonathan. 
If you like this episode, our request is that you share it with somebody that you know and be able to help them in their process of being innovative and delivering patient-centered care. Thank you so much for listening. And again, good luck until next time.